right, everybody, good morning. It is uh, very good to see you guys here in the room. Good to welcome you if you're joining us online at home today. Uh, my name is David, and uh, uh, it's the beginning of December, y'all. Um, do you realize that uh, our favorite year is coming to an end very soon? <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? Um, I want to actually start uh, today by looking back uh, something we talked about last week um, <clears throat> on Baptism Sunday. And um, this is uh, a phone. This is actually my phone. Uh, and I imagine many of you have one of these phones, right? Most of us, right? This is part of our lives these days. Well, last week, um, I set an alarm on my phone for 3.16 p.m. Anybody know why I did that? Yeah, I, uh, it's because it's part of something that God's put on our hearts and put on our hearts uh, and we wrestled with and, and have said yes to. And that's uh, that we want to see 500 people come to new and renewed faith over the next five years through our church here at Redeemer and at FUMC Pearland. And um, it is, it, it's a beautiful vision. It's as beautiful as it is intimidating. And um, one of the things that I, um, I want us to do as a community is set that alarm on our phones and hold that prayer out before God um, just every day. Uh, and when it turns 316, we pray, pray these words, Lord, lead me and lead our church to lead others to Jesus. And then we, we open our eyes and believe that God's going to answer it. And so each of us have people in our, in our lives that actually we know need to have faith or they need to have their faith renewed that they knew at one time. And I, I want you to think about those people. I want you to pray for those people at 316. I want you to even leave some space for someone God hasn't even shown you yet that he's going to work through in your life. And uh, man, if we do that, um, I think not only will we see people saved, we'll see people's lives changed. We'll see so many good things happen and ripple effects from it. And I, I want to tell you, people need hope right now. Um, we need hope at the end of our favorite year, don't we? <laughs> and, and that is a good segue into what we're talking about today. Today's message, we start a series called Hope Has a Name. And we're in church. This is a Christian hope. I don't think that name is a secret to most people here today. Um, but what I want to do these next few weeks is really think about how Jesus is our hope to hold out the promises and the things that we know to be true of him um, and just have them re-enlivened in our lives to, to hold up the diamond of hope and see it refracted in different light so that we can see the beauty and the power of, of what we actually have when Christ was born into this world. And, um, and I want that for you. And, and I want that for you not to just be hope is some abstract idea. I want it actually to be hope and that you know the living God who was born into this world to die for your sins and to give you new life. I, I hope that you will know Christ better through this series. And actually, I want to begin the whole series uh, by asking God to do that. So if you would actually stand with me right now, I'd like to pray um, for that to happen. If you are, are comfortable, I'd encourage you to Hold out your hands like this. We're asking God for something. We're asking to receive something, to know Christ, to know hope. If you're at home, get off your couch, uh, out of your bed. Stand up. Join us um, right now in this moment. Let's ask God to meet us here. Lord, uh, um, 
I'm actually also going to read through a scripture and asking God through this hope. So, Lord, we keep asking you, our glorious Father, that you'd give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation this morning to know deep things about who you are and to see things that you help us to see, that you give us to see. Revelation, Lord. And we ask this so that we would know you better, Jesus. We ask for this, this wisdom and this revelation with the goal of knowing you and knowing the hope that you've, you've given in our hearts. And Lord, we pray this morning that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened, Lord, that, that we would see with our inner being in order to see the hope to which you have called us, so that we would know the hope to which you have called us, and we would know the riches of the inheritance that you've given us in Christ. And Lord, we would know the power of that hope at work in our lives for those of us who believe. Make those things real and happening in us today, Lord Jesus. These words from your holy word we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Um. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that the realities of your life today are actually the result of choices and circumstances of your life from yesterday or yesterdays? In other words, like you can look at something that is an aspect of your life today, who you are, what you do, what you, um, uh, who, who you're married to, and you can actually kind of trace back the choices and the circumstances that got you to this place where you're standing today. Do you know that? It's actually a fun little exercise. Uh, think about who you're married to if you're married, right? Uh, actually, if you're, if you're a younger person, think about who your parents are and how they got to be married. You're here because they met, right? So th- how does that walk back? Well, I am married, uh, actually to a girl, um, from Texas named Shannon, because years and years ago, um, when I was in college, I felt a call to ministry, totally unrelated to Shannon. And I decided to go to Asbury Theological Seminary in Kentucky. And when I was there one day, I walked into, um, an intramural basketball game and I sat down next to this girl and I asked her where she's from. She said, I'm from Tomball. And I didn't believe her that it was a real place. And, um, and she, was from, she was from Texas, and we got talking. And, uh, and um, she continued to pursue me. And, uh, and we continued to talk. And I uh, one day asked her um, in really uh, suave words, do you want to start something? And, um, and 10 months later, we were married. And I think about that. And that's how I got to that place. It's actually how I'm a pastor here in Texas today. This boy from Illinois met a young lady from from Texas, right? You can trace the aspects of your life like that. Think about your job, right? Maybe you're an engineer here in Houston. And how did you get there? Maybe you were a kid and in fifth grade you discovered, man, I like math and I'm good at it. And you actually were going to be an accountant because your dad was an accountant. But when you got to your junior year, you had this incredible physics teacher who really opened your eyes to the wonders of physics and problem solving. And so you decided, uh, he said, you should really go study engineering at Texas A&M University, right? Yep. 
or the University of Houston, right? Whatever it was for you, right? Uh, and there's a lot more options than that, y'all. But um, you you did it, and then you graduated and got a job with Dow Chemical, and you've been there ever since, right? Like that's the, the, there's things can happen, and you can trace those things back in your life. Well, here's a really interesting thing that I was actually thinking about this week that I've never thought about. Um, not only can you do that with the aspects of your life, like the realities of your life, you know what else you can actually trace back in your life? The development of character. You can actually trace back virtue in your life. You can think about who you are today and the different aspects of who you are and look back to the circumstances and the choices that you made that sent you on a path to become that person. <clears throat> if you walk up to somebody and you meet them and you find out that they're going through some adversity, right? Like maybe they're, they've got health issues that they're chronically dealing with. Maybe um, they uh, have uh, a family, they're going through a divorce. Uh, maybe they lost their job, but they're standing before you and they have a smile on their face and they still seem to have a joy in their heart and a hope in their lives. What I want to tell you is they didn't just wake up like that, right? There is some steps, some things that happened in their life, some choices that they made to, to have that hope and that joy and to become who they are in the middle of that moment. And, and that's what I really actually want to think about today because it's actually where I think our scripture uh, kind of moves us. Um, today's message is titled, Where Does Hope Come From? Where does hope come from? And I'm posing that as a question. Um, do you know the answer? Where does hope come from? I think there's actually multiple answers to that question, but there's really one that is um, that really emerges in our scripture and I think is really, really important and really understanding the true source of hope. Um, I want to I read um, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. If you've got your Bible, uh, you can open up there now. Um, you can also follow along on the screens. Listen closely. Um, this is a rich, beautiful passage. Here's what it says. <clears throat> Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Main thing I want to draw your attention to in this passage this morning is that sequence, that chain link in the middle of the scripture. Um, the way Paul links together suffering, perseverance, character, and hope. And did you see it when we read it? If we talked, did you see that series in there? Did, 
You think about it. Did you want to know more? Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of explore these things one by one. And I formatted it here. So just to, to help you see it. We know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Let's explore them one by one. Uh, first, first bit. We know that suffering produces perseverance. Can you say that with me? Suffering produces perseverance. Let's do it again. Suffering produces perseverance. Do you want to say that? <laughs> no. And you know, uh, the first thing that I really think about when I, when I hold that up and I look at it is like, we might say, yeah, but if we were to answer the question, what does suffering produce? I don't think, yeah, I don't think perseverance would be our first answer. What does suffering produce? Merely just said misery, right? Right? What does suffering produce? Pain. Nothing that I want in my life, right? Um, if you have a herniated disc in your back and you're suffering because you're in discomfort and you can't move right and all your life now has this layer of pain in it, what, is that, what does that suffering produce? Everybody ever been there? Grouchiness. Like fatigue. Um, it produces, maybe, uh, maybe your spouse will be like, oh, I feel bad for you. But then they're going to get tired of you too, right? Like it just, that suffering produces more suffering. And, um, and, and that, that's what suffering produces, pain. Uh, and um, and I, I think that uh, that is actually the reality that most of the time we walk through when we suffer. Because we look at our suffering and we just say, oh, this is rubbish and I want it to be over as fast as it can be. Right? So think about the last time that you suffered. When was the last time you suffered? What did it produce in your life? More suffering, probably. I mean, I think that's the natural way this goes. I don't think anybody has to tell us to not want it to be over and that it's painful. I think we just know that. So that's actually where I would start with where suffering produces. But the passage says something different, doesn't it? Suffering produces perseverance. How does that happen? Let me um, <laughs> try to illustrate this. Um, I'm really glad that the kids that in my life helped me illustrate it are not in the service like they were in the first one. <laughs> but um, imagine that you are in the car and you have a young child that is thirsty. Man, I see some heads nods right away. Think back if you've got older kids and they're thirsty and they're crying and whining because they want to drink and they're so thirsty and they're going to die and they're parched. Mom, Dad, pull over the car. Please, I'm thirsty. That's what, that's what uh, you may have heard at one point in your life. And you may have heard it after you told them three times to get a water, to get their own water before you got into the car. And, uh, but they didn't. And so there they are crying and suffering. And because of their suffering, everyone else in the car is what? Suffering, right? And... Uh, and you all know what I'm talking about because you've been there, right? And, um, and so think back, what immediately has that suffering produced? Their suffering has produced frustration, right? Maybe anger. You're frustrated and angry that after three times they didn't get that water bottle, right? You're, they're probably frustrated and angry at you because 
after three times, you didn't remind them a fourth time to get that water bottle. And, and suffering is just, that's what it's producing. But here's the thing. Um, we actually don't even get a choice about this unless we pull over the car and go to Sonic. Um, but, but if we keep driving, if there's no way to get them water immediately, right? Uh, what is that kid going to have to do? Persevere. Yeah. Keep dealing with that discomfort. They have to live through it and maybe they'll throw a fit and maybe you'll have to put up with that fit and maybe you'll have to persevere too. But in any case, what has that suffering led to? Perseverance, right? And that's the first thing, this first connection in the chain that's made, perseverance. We know that suffering produces perseverance. And it's interesting, this word perseverance in the Greek, it actually uh, literally means to abide under, to stay underneath the pressure. So like abiding, like living underneath pressure, like that's perseverance when you're doing with it. And it's a, it's a continuation, it's living life, dealing with discomfort and um, and it's, uh, it's just an interesting thing. Like, everybody has to persevere. Like, and if you don't, I don't even, you've lived an incredibly charmed life. And, uh, like, uh, but even you at some point in your life is going to have things that you want gone that are pressure, that are pain, that you want gone as fast as possible. And you're going to have to live, learn to, to live with it. Okay? But um, here's the thing. It's interesting. If you actually accept the reality of your suffering, if you're willing to, to, to look at it in the face and say, okay, and actually even better if you admit your part in that suffering sometimes, and you're willing to look at it differently and say, I'm gonna deal with you. You know what actually the suffering that leads to perseverance produces in your life? The next link in the chain. We know, we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces, it's implied, produces what? Character. Character. You know, when you make the choice to face your suffering and to persevere, you develop character. Uh, when you say, I'm going to keep fighting through this, whatever it is, uh, I'm going to keep running these wind sprints. I'm going to keep working for better communication with my spouse. I'm going to keep forgiving. I'm going to keep showing up even when I don't want to and when I don't have to, right? That, those are the places in our lives where character is formed. And those are the places in our lives where actually God does good stuff in us, isn't it? Um, you know, early on in, uh, in COVID, when we were still just online, uh, we did a series here uh, called Jesus Changes Everything. Jesus Changes Everything. And I don't know if you remember that series. It's been a long COVID. But um, <laughs> uh, one of the weeks we talked about um, how the nature of pressure on something is that it actually reveals things. And it, 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 makes, it makes imperfections and weaknesses and things show up. And, and I actually went back behind the church to the railroad tracks with a friend 
And we, um, we filmed a place on the road back there where the road comes up over the tracks where uh, thousands, probably a million cars at this point, have driven over and put pressure on this one location over and over again. And you can go and you can see the cracks in the concrete. You can see it actually coming apart like chunks missing. And it's just a good illustration of what, what happens to things under pressure. And what I said and what I think I was realizing six months ago is that principle actually applies to our lives and that over this COVID, right, life can on its own have a lot of pressure. But now there was going to be this additional pressure plate pushing down on every single one of us at the same time in the whole world. Right. And in our in our lives, individually, in our communities. And what it was going to do is it was going to show those weak spots and those cracks. And, uh, and and if we weren't attentive to it, right, we wouldn't be ready. And something that was a crack could become a cavernous pit in our lives. And um, and we needed to, to, to really turn to God in those things. And um, I reflect on that. Six months later now. And um, honestly, I really wish I was wrong. I do. I wish, I wish I didn't remember that message, but I think I remember it because the principle is held so true. I think many of us have seen things in us, in um, the world around us, in the circles we run in that we never thought we would see these past six months. And... Uh, and I think that that's a testament to the reality of the pressure that we're in and the perseverance that we're having to have right now. Um, but you know, when we were filming that, um, Jim, uh, the NASA engineer who understands a lot of these things, uh, said something that I very much remembered and thought that'll preach. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was you know, David, pressure doesn't just reveal things and show cracks, it actually also makes things stronger. And so I said to Jim, hey, Jim, could you elaborate that for, for us in um, layman's terms? And he, this is what he said, sure. Thanks, Jim. In the natural world, pressure takes relatively soft carbon and turns it into one of the hardest and most sought after stones. You all know what it is? Diamond, right? In engineering, uh, one example, the individual components of plywood you to look at them individually, they could snap like a toothpick. They're weak. But join them together under what? Pressure. And you now have boards strong enough to build um, the walls and the roof of a home. Other example, in human strength training, the pressure we put on muscles with exercise makes our tissues stronger and more resilient and enables us to run things like marathons, right? And... So the, the principle here, uh, maybe you guys see in it, is that like the, there's actually in the pain an ability to gain, right? The obstacles that we face are actually also the opportunities for us to, to become stronger. In the words of Kelly Clarkson, you could sing this along with me if you would like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, <laughs> uh, here I come, American Idol, right? Uh, 
Actually, it was Nietzsche who said that first, by the way. But um, for the record, what, I, what, what we need to record in our hearts and our minds is, is that actually when we suffer and when we have to persevere, if we engage it in the right way, we, we come out so much better for it in the end, especially if we're willing to give that to God. And what I've been praying for myself, and I, I've been praying for a lot of you, as you guys have shared some of the struggles and things happening in your own lives, is that you'd open yourself up to that opportunity, that, that we'd be open to that opportunity, that think about that thing maybe that bothers you, that's such a struggle that you wish would go away and you've prayed for it to go away and God still hasn't taken it away. Well, here's a possibility. Maybe it's actually the place where God wants to grow your character, that he wants to use that pressure to make you stronger and better than you were before. Do you like that? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's possible. That's what it's saying. Um, you know, there's also one other thing that can happen here, and it's the last link in the chain. Let me go ahead and read um, this last part of the chain. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Character produces hope. You know, um, when I was reading this and just kind of working through the passage and studying it, what really struck me wasn't so much the connection between character and hope. It was actually the bigger thing that I see happening from beginning to end in what this scripture is saying. Okay, uh, because what's at the beginning of that chain? Where did everything start? It started with suffering. And then where did we land at the end of that chain? Hope. And so really what this passage is actually saying, suggesting to us, is that suffering produces hope. Suffering leads to hope. It's saying that you're suffering can actually be the beginning of your hope. And I want to tell you, that is so incredible because it's so not what we think about when we think about hope. And it's not the connection that we make to suffering when we think about hope. In fact, I think what happens is a lot of people see the, obvious, uh, the, the opposite. They experience the opposite. They suffer, and so actually they lose a sense of of hope. And so the question that, that really hits me in the face when I read that is how does suffering lead to hope? Like, it doesn't have to happen, obviously. How does it happen? And, um, and let me just share with you all what I think, what, where I think this passage took me. When I was in um, Ukraine, early on in Shannon and Mai's ministry, with students as missionaries. There was a, a young man who I got to spend some time with um, who had a lot of challenges in his life and a lot of issues, um, some far beyond his control, some very much his own doing. And um, I remember talking to him one evening after getting to know him fairly well and just trying to listen and trying to provide hope. And he stopped me like at one point when I just tried to say something hopeful to him. And he said, David, he said, 
I'm not worth your hope. He said, David, um, there's nothing that can fix me. And I just, that has always stuck with me because um, I'd never heard, at first I'd never heard anybody say anything like that directly to me before. Um, and then two, I, I honestly, he was being honest with me. Like that's actually where he was. Like he, he, he really could not see hope for himself. Um, he, he didn't have any ability to look at his life and believe that it could be better. And, and he, he was saying nothing can fix this. Like this is where I'm at. And, and I'm not worthy of hope and the universe isn't good to me. And this is just where I'm at. This is, I, I, there's nothing that can fix this. And um, I'm probably not the only person who has encountered that. I bet many of you guys at times have talked to somebody who's been in that place. Maybe you've been in that place yourself. Maybe even today you're feeling like there's things that you're looking at and you're saying nothing can fix this. And it's a really hard place to be when you look at um, the mess you've made or the anger that you have or the marital problems that you're dealing with, whatever it is, you're saying nothing can fix this, me, him, her, it, nothing can fix it. And, and it's really the definition of hopelessness when you don't believe that anything can actually make a situation better. You have no hope. And the thing that I reflected on for a while afterwards is like, what, how do you get out of that place? Right? What is the thing that kind of lifts you up out of hopelessness? And here's, here's the answer. Maybe this seems obvious. It's hope, right? The only solution to hopelessness is real flesh and blood hope before us. That's the, that's the only thing that, that gets us out of that place when we can see a different reality, when we can envision something better. And, um, and, and, and we've got to have a hope that's real, that, that, that actually steps into our lives. It's not wishful thinking because we're done wishing at that point. It's not uh, just like an optimism, which we often mistake for hope because uh, we can't just continue to think that it's going to be better when in fact what we've experienced is that it's worse and it continues to be worse and it's still worse, right? You're out of those options. You need real hope and flesh and blood. And this is where... Um, I think the Christian gospel starts to speak to us because when we talk about hope in Christianity, it's not some abstract idea, right? Hope has what? A name. And it's in Jesus Christ. And what do we believe happened at Christmas? That the Lord of the universe took on flesh and blood and made his dwelling among us. He looked at a world, honestly, where if it was just us, we could probably look at this world and say, nothing can fix it. But, but God looked down into our world and said, you know, it is broken, it is battered, but I'm going to send my son Jesus to be broken and battered so that it can be fixed. And love took on flesh and dwelt among us. And if you look at what is said next in this passage, you follow this, this chain 
that, that we've been reading. Um, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. What's really interesting is the next thing that it says. And hope does not disappoint us. Right? This is a real hope. It's a real hope that's going to stick with us because God has poured out his love in our lives uh, into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And what it's saying there isn't that this is some abstract, nice, poetic, God's poured out his love. It's saying that he's poured out his love by the giving of Jesus Christ. And the love that this, the scripture is using isn't like the love that we use in our culture today. It's the same word for pizza and your spouse. We love them. This is, this is the love that God gave us, the word agape, which is a picture of what he's done for us in his action and his commitment to us. And so uh, what it's saying is the hope that won't disappoint is the hope that came down and entered into the suffering of the world so that you, you could have your suffering seen in a whole different light through a whole different hope. And that's made real by the Holy Spirit coming down and working in your lives. And, and that's the hope that we get to celebrate at Christmas, and that's how hope comes from suffering. Hope comes from suffering when Jesus enters into our suffering. Suffering turns to hope when we turn to Jesus in our suffering. And I just, I just want to leave you with that today. Where does hope come from? It comes from you engaging Christ in the midst of your suffering by faith and therefore knowing the love of God and what he did suffering for you and therefore having the hope that was born into the world be born into your life. And I hope you'll carry that with you in Jesus' name these next weeks. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and the hope that we have in you. I thank you for your name, Jesus, that's Messiah, that's Savior, that's Redeemer, that's Friend, that's Living Lord. Lord, I thank you that um, in our greatest weaknesses and our greatest pains, we were not alone in that, but you were there with us. And you're always there with us. And if we are willing to see you and acknowledge you and welcome your person and your power into the suffering that we live in, that you, that you are with us in it, Lord, that you can change even the worst of things and make really good, amazing things in our hearts and lives. Jesus, I pray that you would do that. I pray if there's places that we're suffering right now, that you inspire our hearts to turn to you. And Jesus, I pray that you would pour out your hope um, this day. Uh, these things we pray in your name. Amen.